0: Gives it to Wall. Working against Bradley for three. John oh, what a shot! Swinging so a fly ball, center field deep. Bellinger going back to the warning track to the wall. It's a grand slam. Howie Kendrick has done it. They're going crazy in the Nationals dugout. Bledsoe back to pass. Steps up, going deep. Caught ball. TO is leveled by Sean Taylor, and he's slow getting up. Could be a run back from 9 deep. For Jacoby Jones and look at him go. Jones is past the 50 and he is flying inside the 20 and a kickoff return. 109 yards and a touchdown. An all time record. Hold it inbounds to Nicholas. Four seconds, three seconds. He's across the court. Two seconds, one second. Throws it off. Money, and he got it. And the Terrapins win. But the shot by Nicholas at the buzzer. Play's win. Highest win! Highest win! Highest
1: win! Highest win! Puck in front, Connolly with a chance, and they score! They
0: score! The puck on a rebound for Lars Zeller! And as the puck drops, the words that D.C. fans have been waiting to hear since 1974, the Washington Capitals are the 2018 Stanley Cup champions!
1: Hey, what's going on, everyone, and welcome to the DMV Dispute brought to you by DMV Sports Network. You can follow us on Twitter at DMV Dispute. I'm your host, Jeremy, and you can follow me on Twitter at J squared zero to one. I am joined today by my boy, Darren. Darren, how's everything going with you? Oh, everything is a solid good. Jeremy is a solid good. Yes, unfortunately, Gerard was not able to meet up with us for this episode, but he is surely missed. Uh, so, yes, but make sure you follow Gerard at Roddy KG, Roddy KG on Twitter. Darren, where can they find you on Twitter? You can find me at Bird Hoops. That's D-B-I-R-D Hoops on Twitter. All right. As always, we're proud to do this podcast for one of the top sports websites in the Washington, DC metropolitan area. And that is dmvsportsnetwork.com They can be followed on Twitter and Instagram at DMV underscore S N. They have some great daily content on the website of all things. DMV sports, whether it be professional college, high school sports, and a lot more. So after you listen to this podcast, go ahead and check out dmvsportsnetwork.com. In addition, please be sure to subscribe to our show wherever podcasts are available, and that includes Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, and many more. All right, let's get this show started and move to the first topic for this episode, and we have to give a big round of applause to... The Washington Nationals, who are now the 2019 MLB World Series champions. First, mm-hmm. before we even get to that, where were you when the Washington Nationals won the champions, uh, the World Series?
0: Y'all, if you were following my Twitter, you know exactly where I was. I was at Capital One Arena celebrating. I was at the Wizards' uh, home opener, uh Right before so I was there You know watching the Wizards lose To Houston you know because Washington Played Houston in two sports that night Um, Ah. But afterwards Yeah so lost by one Point we'll talk about that a little bit later But um, yeah So afterwards uh, they had a nice watch party on our big new jumbotron in capital one arena and just as soon as the wizards game ended it was you know it was right over to the nats and actually it was it was a great moment in the middle of a game in the middle of the game where they announced the score it was right after the nationals went up three two and capital one arena just erupted man like i'm talking it just was lit it was the loudest that capital one arena got But to that point, all night, and I think that was in the third quarter, maybe that happened. But yeah, it was crazy. So I just sat there. I was like, you know what? Let me stay here. Let me watch. You know, they're keeping Capital One Arena open for us. So man, when I tell y'all, maybe a few hundred fans probably stayed after the game to watch the, the Nationals win the World Series. And when they won, man, it just erupted. It was crazy. Like it was wild. The streets of D.C. were wild. Oh man, it was just Ooh, so much fun! I'm so glad I got to be around so many DC fans uh, that night when uh, when the Nationals uh, won it. They finished the fight, baby. And I got to celebrate yeah. with a bunch of great fans. Yeah.
1: Yes, it was a very great evening uh, Game after Game 7. I was actually working that night. Uh, I am an Uber driver, so I was actually working that night and listening to the game. That's uh, one of the things that uh, I, I must say, I think I, I'm going to take the credit. I think I'm the good luck charm <laughs> for the Washington Nationals. And my, I was very superstitious because the game, I'm, I listened to most of the games, in my car. right, And the only game that I listened to in my car where the Nationals lost on this entire run was the Game 5 World Series game at Nats Park. That was the Ooh. only game in this entire playoff run where I was listening to the game in my car and yes. they lost that game. But every game, we, you go back to the wild card game against the the Milwaukee Brewers. I had a flag football game that night literally as oh, wow. soon as i got in the car and turned on the game that's when juan soto hit the go ahead uh the game winning uh a double to, to run wow. double to get them in then uh the similar situation happened with the game 5 against the dodgers where i was playing basketball that night and as soon as i got in the car i heard the rendon home run then I heard the Soto home run that tied yes. the game. And then obviously later, the grand slam by Howie Kentrix. And then games one and two in Houston. I, I worked that night, so I was listening to the entire game. We go up 2-0. I actually watched game three on TV, and yes. we lost that game. <laughs> I started watching game four yep. on TV, and we lost that game and in game five, I was like, nah, man, I'm gonna go back to my routine of, yeah. of watch, listening in the car, listening to the game on the radio. And you know what? We got smacked that night. And yep. of course, that was the night that uh Max Scherzer was supposed to pitch. He was scratched. Joe Ross, I mean, he did we, we spoke about it in the last episode. Right. I mean, he did his best on literally a few hours' notice. Yep. <laughs> I mean, but and 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 more importantly. Our bats, our offense played horrible that game. So I can't even put it all on Joe Ross. But I went back to my routine of listening to the games in the car and game. Let's start with game six. Game six, the Nationals win seven to two. Yes, that is a five point, uh, I guess, difference in the score. But it wasn't looking like that. The first inning after one, Astros were up two 2-1, Two one. And then that's when pitcher Steven Strasburg really locked in. And he told us this after uh, game after game six when he was asked about the performance. He said the pitching coach coach Medhart told him, Hey, you're tipping your pitches. So we know everything that's coming with how you how you uh wind up on the mound. So he said he changed his, his he tweaked his routine, and from that point on, I mean. <laughs> Zero runs scored by the Astros, and Steven Strasburg ended up pitching eight eight and one-third of inning, only on five hits, two earned runs, and those two earned runs came in the first inning. But it wasn't until the fifth inning when – when we took the lead to go up 3-2. And then there was some controversy in the seventh inning with the Trey Turner hit where he got the single. He yes. was safe, but then was ruled out by a uh, runner interference. And yep. um, I saw that. Yeah, that was a crazy scenario that went down. I'm going to ask you this question. When you saw that happen, where Turner was... Was ruled out, and I, th- I can't. I think it was uh, Cabrera. Might have been the base runner who was already on, yeah, who? who advanced the third, but then he had to go back to second. When yeah. you saw that happen, what were your thoughts
0: about the rest of the game from that point? Honestly, I still had faith. I thought now maybe it was just the hype of of just where I was and just being super excited, being with all the other fans and whatnot. But I mean. I was, I jumped out of my seat. I was like, uh, uh-uh, this is crazy. But you know, I still have faith in, in the Nats. I, I, I knew we'd be okay. I, I, I wasn't worried. I felt like the momentum at that point was already kind of on our side. So no matter what happened, I thought we could find a way to pull it out. And, you know, it's, and it's funny that you say, um, you know, superstition just to kind of to to trail back to a point because I think I, I I mentioned either last week maybe last couple of weeks um, that when I don't watch a game from the beginning I'm just superstitious that it just means that we're gonna lose. So <laughs> I you know I almost I almost didn't want to stay uh, for for the for the Nats watch part. I was going like you know what I need to stick to it. I need to just not watch. But you know what. I didn't watch games three, four, and five and they still lost. So I figured, you know, what's the worst can happen? And I want to be here and experience it. So um yeah, I was like, you know, I'm gonna stay. Uh, you know, forget superstition. But yeah, I mean, even with that even with that play, I thought that, you know, I thought the Nat the Nats still had it. I thought they had the momentum. I thought they were still gonna find a way to close out and they've been playing well enough that I honestly wasn't too concerned. Yes. Yeah, so then when it, it, at that
1: point, you know, I'm not gonna lie, I was kind of like, oh man, this, yeah. here we go again. Something where we were about to literally get probably two runs. Yep. We were gonna have a runner on first and third with no outs. And I was like, okay, like we we should be like we should be fine. But then you had that situation come up where uh where we're ruled out on that play, and I'm kind of like, oh man. Oh, yep. man. <laughs> so <laughs> but then, DC sports. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was like, this is so DC. Like, yep. something crazy is going to happen. And it's going to make this game, like, more. And I, I wasn't thinking we were going to lose that game. But I was more like, okay, this game is going to get real stressful. Right, Like we're going to, it's about to get real stressful now. Like we were about to probably open it up on this, in this inning. And then we're, we're playing in game seven, but then I'm sitting there like, man, it's about to get real stressful. But like Rasheed Wallace would say in basketball ball, don't lie. Cause Anthony Rendon then hits a two run home run. Ooh, what was it? Two batters later. Yep. And then we add on two more runs to make it seven to two. And then we move on to game seven. And starting pitchers are Zach Grinke and Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer yep. says, you know what? I'm good. I'm ready. Like, let's go. <laughs> and I know I we mentioned it off air last week. We thought that, you know what? It might be a blessing in disguise that Max did not pitch game five. Yep because he might not have been ready or effective in a possible game seven. And I also think the Nationals had confidence in themselves that, look, okay, we lose game five. That doesn't mean it's over. Like, we're not scared to play two games in Houston. We already got two wins in Houston already. Exactly. Especially
0: (laughs) after after you already got those first two wins, I think they felt like they could win those in Houston.
1: So Max Scherzer pitches, but the second inning, I think it was Yuri Guriel ends up hitting a home run in the second inning, and it's not looking good. Let's fast forward to, or actually, let's talk about innings one through six with Zach Granke. Six innings go by. What are your thoughts after six innings, uh, Darren? <sighs>
0: Nerves. Nerves. Just, just. Nervous again. I was, I was fortunate enough to to have been distracted. Yes, by, you were at the Wizards by, game. By the yes, Wizards game. But, I mean, I, obviously, I was checking it on my phone during the game because you know that was an exciting game. But again, we'll we'll get to that later. Um, so I was I was fortunately distracted. By the time the game ended, uh, it was I think when it ended when they finally switched over to the Nats, uh, it was the bottom of the sixth actually. Um. Yeah, was, was it? No, was it the bottom? It was of the, it was the uh, it was, I remember it was, the it was like the 7th. It was yes. the bottom of the 7th, yes. It was the bottom of the 7th. So, yeah, I I tuned in just in time for, you know, things to have been going well. So, yeah, it was the bottom of the 7th when when I actually tuned in. Um, so, fortunately, I was mostly distracted, so I didn't have to, I had my own things to stress about at that point. Uh, James Harden was in the process of dropping 59 on my team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So again, we'll have a lot to talk about with that. But yeah, I so I basically I wasn't I wasn't in a position to be stressed about the Nationals. My body can only handle so much. So luckily by the time I tuned in, you know, things were looking up. So I I, I wasn't super stressed at at that point, but I was having followed the score during the game. I was like, "You know what? I checked my phone a couple times. I'm like, you know what? We had a good run. If it ends here, it ends here. We had a good run. I know that no series, no road team had ever won four games in a World Series before. So I was like, you know what? To just get three games, I'm I'm good. I would like to win it, but we'll see. Um, and also I did, I feel kind of bad at, about this. I did pick the Astros in game seven. You did. Uh, <laughs> i did i did i'll hold up to it but like i said like i said like i there said were reasons I was, trying, I was hoping i was hoping that by picking the astros i jinx it and then because that's know, what you i said there were reasons yep. you yep. said yep. that last like, you gotta yep i'm like i'm <laughs> hoping that if i pick the astros one of two things happens either i'm right and i pick correctly or i jinx it because the universe is like nah man your nationals gonna get it it's, it's gonna be historic, but so I wasn't I wasn't super stressed honestly um, about it at that point. Like I said, by the time I was watching, we were up and energy felt good. I had a good feeling once they switched over, and it was, I, I wasn't too worried. So we get to the seventh inning. Yeah, Anthony
1: Rendon hits uh-huh. the the home run. One run is on the board against Zach Greinke, and I just want to thank the Houston Astros manager AJ Hinch for taking Cranky yes. out because yes. up until that game up until that point in the game that was the very first mistake he gave up. Mm-hmm. Like we couldn't hit the ball against him. It was only two hits through through 6 innings so far. Yep. Gave up a home run, he still was effective. But, you know, analytics tells you, hey, you got to get your pitcher out, get to the bullpen. And I'm glad because then uh, Soto got on board. Uh, He drew a walk, and then Howie Kendricks hits another clutch home run off the right field foul pole, and the Nats go up three to two. They end up adding a run in the eighth inning. They end up adding two runs in the eighth inning. Nats win 6-2 in game seven. You mentioned it before. This is the first time in Major League Baseball history where – the road team won every game of the series, and I, and I think it's the only time in the in a seven game series of the f- three major sports in the United States where a team has done that. So that was an impressive feat. Yes, and I was uh, I didn't even get I didn't even tell you all where I was. I said I was in the streets doing Uber, but I ended up I ended up when the game ended. I was outside of Nats Park. I got outside. People were celebrating. uh, People from the watch party. uh, People who were at the bars and the restaurants nearby. Uh, There was even a fire truck that was out there. And the firefighters were letting people jump on the fire truck. And we were out there having a good time. Uh, Yes, it was a great time for Washington. Uh, I would say, if you had to compare the two championships... And how the celebrations were at least the night of the championship. I would say the Nats was, it was a bigger celebration. Uh, You were at the Capital One Arena. And then obviously, which is in Chinatown. Yeah. uh, Which is where actually the Capitals play for those that don't know. So what was the vibe
0: like at, in, uh, in gallery place for you? gallery place was i mean obviously not as lit as Nat as nat's park obviously but you know it was it was chanting you know it was people out in these streets you know it was it was wild uh you know the police had their sirens going like the police were like you know they they so if you don't know if you've never been to capital one arena they block off uh f street right in front of uh right in front of cap one uh Mm -hmm. so that people can so that people can walk walk uh Uh, up F Street. Um, But, yeah, like, the police had their sirens going, like, just, like, like, not in like a in like a police everybody calm down way, but like you could tell it was like a celebration way, and just people people chanting in the streets, people chanting all through downtown DC. Like honestly, people running out of bars, like just celebrating and whatnot because you know all the bars around Gallery Place were open. Obviously, everybody was showing the Nats game, but it was just it was it was crazy. I mean, not as crazy as like I said Nats parks. I saw some of those videos, and man, those. That was wild, but it was still a great atmosphere and it was loud and, but honestly it was, it was kind of contained right around gallery place. Once I got a little further away from the arena, like about a block or two away, it was, you know, it was, it was kind of chill. You could still hear people, hear people yelling, but you know, it wasn't as crazy as, as the caps. Cause obviously they were in, um, obviously the capitals, people were celebrating at Capitol one arena. So it was actually in downtown. Mm-hmm. DC, so obviously that was pretty different, um, but yeah, uh, I would say the vibe was pretty good. It was pretty chill, and like even, and it was funny. Like I mentioned, uh, the Wizards played Houston, so you also had like Astros fans that were staying to watch the World Series too. But actually, yep. a lot of them, a lot of them uh, vacated uh, by the top of the ninth because they're like, okay, this isn't looking good, so we're just gonna head out. Um, Aside from like the very few stragglers that were like, I'm going to watch, I'm going to see this out. It was all Nats fans in Capital One Arena and the surrounding areas. And it was just a great atmosphere. Just everybody high 5 random people. Just, you know, everything just crazy. Exactly what you might imagine it to be. Kind of like a low-scale version of what was going on at Nats
1: so now we get to the mvp of the world series the mvp was steven strasberg yeah. uh, do you think steven strasberg should have been named the mvp
0: absolutely um i i totally support it uh i think that you know the things that steven strasberg has done uh not just in this series but in these playoffs have been absolutely amazing you know Honestly, he's he's probably the biggest reason why um, the Nats were able to make it. You know, just his pitching was just amazing. I think you could make an argument for several guys, but I think you know I'm not disappointed in in what Strasburg did. You know, he's you know he's he's been a very dominant pitcher in this series, and I think that you know his quote unquote legend is is really spreading and you know he's definitely making an argument for being hopefully a future hall of famer especially with this with this world series win so yeah i can i can definitely support that you could also make other arguments for guys like you know juan soto and and, and whatnot but i think steven Strasberg definitely deserved it i'm not i'm not against him winning uh mvp of this series.
1: I would have to agree with you also uh, Stra- uh Strasburg, the two games that he pitched are gems they are going to be games that baseball historians are going to remember how he pitched uh, in those games how people speak about Bob Gibson and um and I'm having a blank what's the great dodger uh the great dodger pitcher I can't remember his name now. I can't believe I'm having a blank, but uh, when we talk about other great pitchers like Roger Clemens and Kurt Schilling and, and Randy Johnson in the game six in the 2001 world series, these are going to be games that historians are going to remember. If they had named Juan Soto, I would have been cool with that also, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I, so it would have been cool with, either of those players but it had to be one of those two because Juan Soto he played well against the big names he played well against Verlander and and Granky and um, Garrett Cole who had a chance to help out in relief and AJ Hinch did not put him in and I think he probably felt that you know what Garrett Cole pitched in game five. He might not be effective three days later and kind of similar to what I was thinking about with Max Scherzer, he probably thought the same way, but Hey, he is a major league baseball manager and uh, it backfired for him. But uh, yeah, back to the original question about MVP. I would have been fine with it if it was Juan Soto, but I do believe uh, Strasburg did deserve it. Also now, the victory parade, or they had the
0: victory parade. Did you go to it? I did not go to it. I was working on Saturday.
1: <laughs> yeah, I didn't have time to go either because I had some other obligations. So I did not have time. The Nationals, they were at the Capitals game on Sunday night. Caps won against, I think it was the Calgary Flames. Yep. And they honored the Nationals at that game. Most of the team, I think, showed up for the uh, or some, I'm not going to say most. It was almost so, like yes. half of the team was there uh, celebrating with the Capitals. You had Ryan Zimmerman, who, who, uh, Named the starting lineup for the Capitals. You had Adam Eaton, who was in the locker room also before the game. And then after the game, the uh, team celebrate both teams, the Capitals and the Nationals, celebrated after the game. And then you had some of the Nationals. were on. Did you see some of the clips of the Nationals players on the ice after the game? I saw a few of them, yeah. Yep, yep. And then on Monday... Uh, the nationals were at the White House we we don't get into politics really in this in this podcast but uh sports did meet politics on Monday yep. at the White House uh, you had Kirk Suzuki who came out with a make America great hat yeah. and you had uh, one of the big captains Ryan Zimmerman he spoke about how um how Zimmerman, I mean, sorry, how President Donald Trump is doing well for the country. And he had a lot of outrage on social media. I saw some people even say, man, I was rooting for the Nationals because of the drama that was happening in Houston. And for those that don't know, uh, the Houston Nationals were going through a PR disaster with their one of their front office uh, members. Where the front office member was, uh, you could say, I guess, verbally harassing uh, female reporters in the clubhouse after the ALCS victory over the Yankees. For those that don't know, uh, I'll try and be quick and recap. Uh, Ozuna, he he was uh, accused of domestic, or he he no, he was suspended for domestic violence last season, and he was released from his previous team. I think was it the. Was it the Blue Jays?
0: I uh, think it's the Blue Jays. Yeah, it's
1: the Blue Jays, and the, then then uh, the Astros decided to sign him uh, for their playoff run last year. They didn't obviously win the World Series last year, but then you know they they he played this year in the in the playoffs and of course the World Series. And after the ALCS victory uh, against the Yankees, where Osuna actually pitched horribly. uh that front office exec was taunting women uh female reporters in the clubhouse and saying you see you see why we signed osuna you see why we signed osuna and he was purposely talking to female reporters who were against the signing of osuna so you had a lot of i guess you say casual fans who were just like you know what i you know I am standing up for the women and uh, the, uh, and the women were mistreated. So I want the nationals to win. There was
0: a lot of that on social media. Did you see any of that? I saw a little bit of that. Just, uh a. I hadn't been following a lot of the drama in Houston, but I, I knew enough to to know what was going on. Yeah. And I definitely saw a lot of, a little bit of the outrage. And I did see a lot of, you know, after game six, I saw a lot of, you know, that's why we got Osuna. That's why we got Osuna. Obviously um, <laughs> Yeah, you know, Osuna didn't have a good game yeah. six. Exactly. <laughs> I, saw, I saw a lot of that from Nats fans. I was like, "Yeah, okay, okay, I get." <laughs> and then, and then obviously the
1: Nats go. We go. I want to get back to why we we brought this up. The the Nationals went to the White House on Monday and. You know, you, you had Ryan Zimmerman and Kurt Suzuki and other. You know, obviously while they were up there, the team, the team, the players who were there were congratulating uh, Ryan Zimmerman and uh, and uh, Kurt Suzuki for what they said and did up there. So there was a lot of outrage up there, and I, I had a tweet, and uh, I think I had. Let me see if I'm ai Honestly, can't even remember exactly what I tweeted, but I kind of was like, "Yo, are you all?" Surprised that someone on the nationals team supports, you know, Donald Trump. Like, I'm, I was kind of like, yo, do you, do you watch football? I mean, do you watch baseball and, or, or you, or is this fake outrage? Look, I'll be flat out about it. I don't agree with really much President Trump does, but at right. the end of the day, I mean, everyone isn't like me. And at right. the end of the day, you know, everyone has their choice to, decide what they want to do and you know as an athlete i really don't care what your political views are because at the end of the day you're just a regular citizen that can vote either way that you want to vote um it's really i'm really more on like i'm more strict or more harsh on actual politicians because they're the ones who can actually make decisions. So, so that's that's where I am on the spectrum uh, or that's where I am on the debate like that. Now, obviously, we can make jokes about it. Like for example, when Nick Bosa, you know, was out there and Nick yeah. Bosa's a big Trump supporter. Yes, the uh, jokes are funny because, you know, <laughs> you know, it's it's funny to bring that up. And it's also it, it it's in a way pertinent because for Nick Bosa a lot of the things he was talking about were against people of color and in the nfl the entire locker room or most of the locker room is black so it was a different dynamic there when it comes to baseball let's be honest mostly white players were in the locker room so you know the rhetoric of donald trump might actually fly in that locker room and and we spent a little too long on that but i want you to i want you to respond to that uh, from what you saw today on social media what are are your thoughts on that
0: i mean i'm I'm, kind of with you in the sense that you know everybody is gonna have their own opinions you know these guys are people too i think it's crazy to think that it's like you said not everybody's like me like i don't support i don't support uh, Donald Trump either, um, you know, if you just a quick glance at my Twitter will will show you where I fall at that. So I don't need to really rehash that. Um, but I mean, it's like you said. I know that everybody's not like me. I know that you know this country and really this area in general is too big with too many different types of people that uh, that. They're not all going to share my opinion, obviously, and I recognize that, and I never go into anything just assuming everybody's going to think the same way as me because that's just silly. Um, So, you know, and there are some players that didn't attend. Like, I think Sean Doolittle um, uh, didn't go with the team today, I believe. Uh, Yeah,
1: and Sean Doolittle specifically said he doesn't agree with what, you know president right. Trump doesn't say so that's why he's not going. He was one that was outspoken
0: about it yeah he was he was very outspoken about it and um but I mean, as far as the outrage on social media i i i get i get the outrage, and you know what I would even kind of subscribe to some of it honestly, but you gotta, it's like you said, you know, baseball is, I mean, let's face it, is basically, it's, it's predominantly known as, as a white sport. Like that's, you know, like ba- you've got baseball and hockey, which are predominantly like the white sports. And then you've got like basketball and football, which are the predominantly black sports. And just any, any glance at the team makeups and the, and, you know, just these locker rooms and even just sort of the cultures around the teams, they, you can you can kind of you can clearly see a difference uh i think that I, I don't know it's it's such a tricky slope that i think that just it's one of those situations where you just sort of separate the athlete from the person it's like how you mm-hmm. how you have to separate you know the performer From from the person like I may not agree With with their views and I'll disagree with them if we Ever sit down and chat about stuff Like politics and whatnot but I'll always still appreciate them As as you know players And as as athletes and whatnot Like I'll always support the Nats Regardless of them you know Whatever they're saying about Trump And whatnot you know I'll I'll support the team And I'll cheer for them to To win but that doesn't mean that I necessarily have to support them off the field. And I probably won't. I won't support anyone that openly supports Trump off the field. But I will cheer for them in the capacity of that, okay, they're great baseball players. Or they're, great, they're great athletes in general. So I think that's kind of where I stand at it. So it's one of those situations where I'm just, I'll support you as an athlete, but I'm not going to talk about your personal choices and your personal views about politics and whatnot so that's that's honestly just kind of where I stand on it yeah
1: and um, I'll just be real quick with this one after uh, after I say this I really don't care what your political views are if you get us a championship yeah. <laughs> right. yep. I really I mean, don't care because I mean, at the are, end of the day yeah. I'd rather this championship run than yes. anything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if,
0: if Bradley Beal, if Bradley Beal came out tomorrow saying "Make America Great Again," well, maybe not tomorrow because we're not going to win anything tomorrow. But if let's say, let's say the Wizards are winning next year, and he came out and started to say "Make America Great," then. I'd be like, first of all, that's a real turn because I've read some of your comments in the past, but whatever. Um, but if the Wizards were winning and and he was getting us to like the Eastern Conference finals and whatnot, and he came out and said, yeah, make America great again or wore that hat or whatnot, I was like, you know what, just whatever, just win. and then, <laughs> And then we can talk about that another day.
1: So, yes, the Washington Nationals are your 2019 World Series champions. Steven Strasburg is going to opt out of his final year of his contract. Do you think this is just a move to uh you know get a larger contract or with the nationals, or is this a move where he says, you know what? We won. I want another challenge. Let me go somewhere else. Uh and for example. He is from San Diego. San yeah. Diego has a lot of money right now, and they obviously got Manny Machado last year, and they're trying to build something. But there's other teams out there that have cap space. Uh, do you think it's he's just opting out because it's just part of business? You opt out you know, last year to get the big deal, or is he really like, you know what? I'm fine
0: with what we did in Washington. I'm going to move on. I think this is a situation I've been thinking about this ever since it was announced that he was going to opt out. Uh, I think, I think my gut feeling is that he wants to be in DC and he wants to try and keep winning championships in DC for as long as possible. But I also think two things can be true. I think that if he tests free agency and maybe the Nats aren't willing to necessarily show them like or or you know offer him as much as he wants. And he really does want to go to a different situation where it still obviously would would allow him a chance to win and or at least, you know, still be competitive, etc. Um, I think that Yeah, I think two things can be true. I think it could be a combination of both. But I think if I had to, if you ask me right now what my gut feeling is, I think that he does want to be in D.C. And I think it's just a a matter of just sort of, you know, getting a bigger contract. Uh, Just, you know, restructuring, getting a bigger contract so that he can stay here and actually make more money. Um, But I do think that he is... Legitimately going to test free agency and see what's out there, see what other teams are offering and see what other team situations will be uh, that he could possibly uh, join and and think about moving to. So, uh, yeah, I'd have to say it's a combination of both, but ultimately I'd say his goal is still going to be to come back to D.C. next season.
1: All right, and Anthony Rendon, this is his final year, yep. uh, or this was his final year uh, on the deal. Real quick, uh, did, did you hear what uh, Garrett Cole said after game, uh, game 7 when he asked him questions? I did not hear. He said, "Well, uh, I'm not on this team anymore because I'm a free agent." <laughs> oh, okay. So, that's what he said in oh, the, right. in the clubhouse after game 7. Yeah, Obviously, he was a little salty. <laughs> but man, uh, but, so yeah, technically Rendon is not on this team anymore. Yeah. So, uh, do you think he's returning to the Nationals?
0: Yeah, he's coming back to the Nationals. I'm not Yeah. Yeah, I I I think
1: so, and also I think uh, uh, Rizzo, the general manager, and also the learners. Yep. I think they learned from the Bryce Harper situation. Yeah, we got we we can't we can't be that franchise that does not want to keep your own talent. We don't want to be the Florida Marlins of the two early two thousands, yes. where you win the World Series twice yeah. <laughs> and you blow up the team after each, literally the off season after winning, you don't want to be known as that franchise that does that. Uh, So yeah, I think the learners and Rizzo and uh, Rendon are going to all end up on the same page and they should, be fine that has probably been the longest we've ever spoken about the nationals uh we do have a nationals podcast that's part of the dmv sports network and it is called or named half street high heat so make sure you check them out because they have even more coverage for the washington nationals um before we continue it's time to tell you about dmv sports network's library of podcasts Right now, we have nine active shows, including team shows for the Redskins, Capitals, Nationals, Wizards, and Ravens. There's Fantasy Fever, which deals with all things fantasy football, and a pair of mixed bag shows from It's About Time DC and Dom and Thunder. All these shows are available wherever podcasts can be found, so please check them out. And if you like any of these shows, make sure you subscribe to them and even leave a review on the podcast platform of your choice. Let's now move on to the Baltimore Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens were able to give the New England Patriots their first loss of the season. Yes. Uh did you did you did you watch
0: that game uh Darren? Uh I did not see this game. I had other I was check I was checking out on the score all night but I didn't actually get to watch it. I caught the highlights this morning. I had obligations on Sunday night, but yeah, it was it was looking good. But I was watching football all day before that, but I just didn't catch that one. The Baltimore Ravens defeated the New England Patriots 37
1: to 20, and to be honest, there were stretches in that game where it was it didn't even seem like it was that close. Like yeah. that's a 17-point victory, but it seemed like the, the 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 attitude or the the feeling of that game seemed like it was like a 40 point blowout <laughs> to yep. be honest uh Lamar Jackson he's playing phenomenal right now just want to give a bring up his stat line real quick and i had it here uh but when it comes to his stat line 17 for 23 passing, 163 yards, one touchdown. But when it came to rushing, he had 61 rushing yards, two touchdowns on 16 attempts. Mark Ingram Jr. also had 115 rushing yards on 15 carries. That's a 7.7 uh, yards per, per rush. Tom Brady threw the ball 46 times, completed 30 of them. He only had 285 passing yards. He had one touchdown and an interception. You had, I think it was Julian Edelman had a fumble during that game. The rushing attack was not good for the Patriots because of the great defense by the Ravens. Uh, So yeah, it's a great all around game for the Ravens. I think the only point in the game where I felt like the Ravens might like this game might get out of what get out of hand. The Ravens were up 17 to 0. Yeah. And it was a punt. And uh the, the returner fumbled or botched the the um the um the reception of the punt. Yeah. And uh then the, the the Patriots were able to score, I think it was a touchdown, and it ended up being 17 to 7, and I kind of thought, man, this, this, this is what the other teams that they face, sh- this is where they panic at this point. Right. <laughs>
0: this is, yeah. They
1: make one mistake, and then the game is over. Pages pounce on you, and that's it. But we didn't see that. And then when you go back historically between the Ravens and the Patriots, Ravens played them tough. During this entire oh, yeah. era, like this 20-year era, that Belichick and Brady have had the Ravens have played them tight all the time and have even won pivotal games one playoff game in Foxborough so uh the Ravens weren't scared uh but what when we let's address uh Lamar Jackson real quick and um do you, or 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 let's go to the to the original question that I had or we had uh was this victory more the Ravens more assertiveness by the
0: Ravens, or was it a flop or dud by the Patriots? I think that what the Ravens did today was I think they ultimately uh, exposed the Patriots. Uh, I think, you know, uh, now that's not to take anything away from the Ravens. I think they played spectacularly. Lamar Jackson was just amazing. He's making an MVP case for himself, and the Ravens are showing that that they are definitely a good team to be able to do this against the Patriots and, you know, Tom Brady, who can, you know, explode at any given moment, you know, you're just kind of waiting for him to, to throw them back in the game and whatnot. So, you know, give props, mad props to the Ravens because they played very well, but I have to say, this is definitely more about the Patriots. You know, let's, let's, let's look at this Patriots schedule. You know, they, they beat the Steelers. Okay. The Steelers are pretty good, but you know, they're, they beat them pretty convincingly to open the season. Uh the Patriots beat the Dolphins. We who just got their first win on Sunday, beat the Jets. Again, only one win. Or no wins at that point, obviously, but it's the Jets uh without Sam Darnold. Uh the Bills are a convincing team. We just beat the Redskins yesterday. Um uh but you know, the the Bills is probably the Bills were probably the only team that they had faced that was really a challenge to the Patriots. And they still beat them. Uh, you know, they faced the Redskins, faced the Giants, faced the Jets again, faced the Browns who were struggling. And then they come up against the Ravens. Like, honestly, the first legitimate team that they faced all season. Let's be real. Um y- y- I think that this sort of showed that the Patriots, you know, the Patriots are going to have trouble against elite teams. Uh, You know, I I always say that one of the things I always say whenever I talk about the Patriots is, you know, you never you never bet against Brady, I think. Um, But. This team, you know, they're they're decimated by injuries. There's no Gronk, uh, no more Josh Gordon. Obviously, they, they lost A. B. So, uh, I mean, who is Tom Brady throwing to? I mean, I know they just got they just got Sanu um, in that trade, and I guess he's going to be their their receiver uh, going forward. You know, Brady's uh, number one, number two, something like that. Who knows? But I think that the Patriots, you know, they just got, I think they got exposed by the Ravens. They got exposed by a good team that's playing very well. Their defense didn't hold up. Their defense was just letting down and just their offense wasn't able to make enough happen to win this game. And I think that as the Patriots come up against teams, they can actually play pretty well. that can actually beat good teams, which the Ravens have proven themselves to beat good teams. They've, they have a very, very quality, uh, offense and, and a, and a pretty decent defense and they've gotten some, you know, real wins. So as we see the Patriots enter into this little stretch where they've got teams that are going to play them hard. You know, they've got the Eagles in a couple weeks after this bye week. Uh, Then they've got the Cowboys, then they've got the Texans, then they've got the Chiefs, um, who presumably Patrick Mahomes will be back at that point. Um, I think these teams are going to give the Patriots a run for their money. You know, it's not going to be the cakewalk they've had uh, in the beginning of the season. So I think this Ravens team just showed how how weak this Patriots team can potentially be. Uh, Brady's getting older, you know. I know that doesn't mean a whole lot necessarily because he's still Brady. He's still making unbelievable throws and just you know doing things that forty-two-year-olds just shouldn't be able to do. But I think it's starting to get to a point where just having Brady and just saying, "Hey, they've got Brady as their quarterback," isn't going to be enough for the Patriots. So. You know this Ravens team played very, very well, and the Patriots just couldn't close out you know they just they just couldn't keep up and especially being playing at Baltimore against this team uh that has played pretty well at home uh I think it just shows that you know the Patriots aren't quite the team that most that most think they are, so like I said, credit the Ravens they did play very well, but I think with them being such a good team and the Patriots not really facing much stiff competition this year, I think it really shows the Patriots might not be the team that a lot of the football world really thought that they are. So
1: going into this week in my own personal power ranking, I had the new England Patriots at number one, even though they were number one, I think out of the last four, five seasons, Mm -hmm. this is probably the worst Patriots team that they've had. Uh, And yes, they were still undefeated and both those things can be true where you could be, this might be the worst team you had in five years and you could still be the best team in the league at the moment. Um, But yeah, I think they, I think they got exposed, man. They, they did get exposed now, even though they got exposed, I don't think teams can play as well as the Ravens did. I think there's literally maybe,
0: maybe Kansas city just because of their high power offense. Maybe go ahead. I, well, I mean, my thing about Kansas city is I think, I think the Patriots would have the edge in that game simply because it's going to come down to whose defense is going to show up. And I think the Patriots, do have a better defense than Kansas city, Kansas city's defense just honestly isn't up against Minnesota this past weekend. I'll say that. Um, but I think that that game's going to become going to come down to a shootout. And if you're in a shootout with Brady, that's one of those situations where I think it's going to be, you know, Brady's going to prevail. It's going to be a high scoring game. And it'll probably be one like late in the fourth quarter, but, um, you know, when they come up against these legit defenses combined with, you know, really good offenses like the Ravens have, I think that's what's going to, I think that's what's going to give the Patriots the most problems. But yeah, please continue. Yeah,
1: I, I, th- I agree with you 100%. I, I don't think yeah. anyone in the AFC, like if it is an offensive like shootout, the, uh-huh. yeah, the Patriots have the edge. If right. somehow the Chiefs defense could kind of keep them within reach, right. then the Chiefs have a chance. But really, when it comes to the AFC, the Baltimore Ravens are the only team that can compete with the Ravens because their defense is good enough to bother Tom Brady. The Patriots don't have Rob Gronkowski anymore, who does a lot on the, in the running game and in the passing game. They don't really have a stud wide receiver. Yes. They have Julian Edelman. And yes, they have Muhammad Sanu, but they don't have that go to receiver, you know, anymore. They they could have had that with Josh Gordon, but he was released uh, just last week. So they don't have all that. And the running game is very inconsistent. So, um, yeah, I think, Baltimore in the AFC is the only team that can really go with them, and also let's talk about Baltimore's offense. Yes, the Patriots. <laughs> Belichick has they had a crazy stat where Belichick against first and second year quarterbacks going up against them was something ridiculous, like twenty something in like one or something like that, and got the second loss with against Lamar Jackson, who, who let's be real, quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson really give bill belichick fits the last time he really had to face someone who was crazy mobile and still decent enough in the pocket was who uh cam newton a couple seasons ago and what did they do carolina beat them in foxborough yep. <laughs> so, so um the quarterbacks like lamar jackson really give bill belichick and that defense fits that defense only got me eight points in fantasy football like that's why i ended up losing like yeah i've been winning because of that defense well that defense (laughs) did nothing this week only got me eight points and and yeah that's that's how i lost or one of the reasons why i lost fantasy football this this weekend um lamar jackson though let's be real quick Uh, should lamar jackson be one of the candidates for mvp this season
0: yeah, I I definitely think he should be. Obviously, I don't think he's a leading candidate, at least not yet. But this definitely, you know, vaults him up into the conversation uh, for MVP. You know, if I, you know, if I if I look at this MVP race, you know, I had Patrick Mahomes up there. Obviously, you know, he's he's. I won't say completely out of it, but I mean, he is injured right now. We'll we'll just kind of see, you know, obviously I like guys like uh, Christian McCaffrey, you know, he's up there, Um, but Lamar Jackson is definitely for sure. um, Absolutely in the MVP race in MVP consideration. And as you know, especially if he ends up getting this team, to where they need to be um, in good position. Obviously, I the Steelers aren't really going away, but I don't see them as being a threat to, to the Ravens um, in this division. Um, so I think that if he can lead them, if Lamar Jackson can lead this, uh, the Ravens to winning the division, which I think they will, um, and getting them in a really good position to have home field, uh, for a good chunk of the playoffs, if not throughout the playoffs, then that'll definitely do a lot, uh, to get Lamar Jackson up into that conversation. Cause I mean, he's, he's on a historic run. I think, you know, if he had, they were saying if he had rushed for, for a hundred yards, uh, In this game Sunday, I think he would have broken the NFL record, if I'm not mistaken, for for (laughs) for like halfway through the season. (laughs) Yeah, for like consecutive games of of rushing for 100 yards or more. Um, I think he was tied for the record and he would have broken it with this game. But yeah, um, you know, he's just doing amazing things. And, you know, I think he's definitely in the MVP consideration. I don't see him as necessarily a top candidate, but he's definitely. In the con- in consideration, in the running um, for MVP, uh, my only concern about Lamar Jackson is whether or not this is truly sustainable. You know, if he's gonna if he's gonna run, if he's gonna put this this wear and tear on his body, then you know. And I think I've said this in the past. My concern is how long is his career gonna be if he's basically you know splitting his running with this throwing, but. Honestly, I think he'll figure it out. I think he'll put it all together eventually. So, you know, I think that he will be fine. I think he should have a a long career barring any serious injury. He should be fine. But yeah, for, for this season, he's definitely in the MVP conversation. I think he should
1: be an MVP candidate. Uh, Yes, he is not the best offensive player in the NFL. I would have to give that to Christian McCaffrey as of right now. But when it comes to candidates for MVP, the way he plays and the way his play affects the rest of the team, yes, in my opinion, he has to be a candidate for MVP. Let's move on to the Washington Redskins. Uh, Last week, we had... uh, at the time you can't say they weren't bold opinions at the time, but I guess we have some uh, freezing cold takes that are out there right now because last week we said Trent Williams will never play for the Washington Redskins and he will not report to the team. And he shocked us all on Tuesday evening where he ended up reporting to, (laughs) to the Redskins. Now he is still out with it apparent back injury there was also rumors that he didn't pass the physical um but those um, were they were those even confirmed uh reports that he didn't pass the physical Darren uh
0: i i think there there were i i did hear the reports i don't know if they're confirmed or not but um Yeah, I I haven't heard any hard solid confirmations, but it it did seem like he didn't pass his physical. Allegedly, so so
1: so he is still out with the injury, but he is technically on the roster now. So uh, we were wrong about that, I I guess. Yeah, I
0: think he's. I think he's. I think the last thing I saw was that it's some sort of quote unquote back injury. I think. I think that's what they I think that's what they're going with, whatever it is. But the last I heard was that he was being, you know, he was undergoing his physical. Um, and it, it's one of those things that contradicts, because I think other players like Adrian Peterson or whoever, I think they've said that he seemed fairly healthy. Um, I think, you know, the guys that have checked on him, the guys that have talked to him. Um said he seemed fairly healthy, but I guess he allegedly didn't really pass his physical and now it's like some sort of back injury or something so i i I can't say for sure there's just there's there's so much going on with with Trent Williams in this whole situation that i I wouldn't even know where to begin
1: but the big news from the Washington Redskins, even though they did not win on Sunday against the bills, dwayne haskins got his first professional start uh he had well before we even talk about what he had i want to go through the stats real quick and the score uh the redskins fell to the bills that was who they played yes the bills <laughs> they fell the to bills. the bills 24 to 9 in buffalo The the Redskins typically don't play the Bills good on the road. I think pretty much the home team usually wins these matchups. Um, Usually. Dwayne Haskins, 15 for 22, 144 144 yards. No touchdowns, but no interceptions. Adrian Peterson, 18 carries, 108 rushing yards for a six-yard average. But they did, like we said, mentioned, they did fall to the Bills. Let's start with Dwayne Haskins. What grade do you give, do you give uh, Dwayne Haskins so far, or out after game one, after seeing that performance?
0: Yeah, I, I know there's a lot to be said about you know the fact that he hasn't. This is his first full NFL start in this first full game. You know, playing. Uh, as opposed to just coming in mid-game for an injury or just because they've seen enough of whatever quarterback or whoever. Uh, You know, I'd have to give Dwayne Haskins for this performance... uh, I'd have to give him a C. I think he was kind of a solid average. Uh... There were no touchdowns. He didn't, he still hasn't thrown a touchdown pass, which is disappointing. And in fact, you know, what, what is the stat? It's apparently for the, the Redskins haven't had a touchdown in what the last, Last, what was it? Last, was last three games. Yeah, was it? Was it? Is it like the last fourteen quarters or something? I think because it, it was like would be, I,
1: think,
0: uh, I think coming in because so the, they haven't they haven't had a touchdown I think since the first. I think it's half thirteen. Oh, oh, 13. so okay. Yes, since I think the first. So I think it would be fourteen.
1: Yeah, if it's because if it's I, if it's the first half. If the last touchdown they had was the first half of the Miami yeah. game, then yes, it is fourteen quarters.
0: Yeah, because I think I think I remember at halftime yesterday. It was like they hadn't had a touchdown, or at least not a throwing touchdown. But I think it was even a touchdown. I think they haven't scored a touchdown yeah. since that first That sounds, half, sounds it about right. About, yeah, it was 12 quarters. because Yeah, it was through 12 quarters at halftime. So yeah, in 14 quarters, the Redskins haven't had a single touchdown. Um, so that's disappointing. Um, and obviously not all of that is on Dwayne Haskins because, um, in that time we've seen both Keenum and Haskins, but, uh, you know, he hasn't, he didn't throw any interceptions, which, which is pretty good, but you know, the, the not touchdowns, the, the no touchdowns doesn't look good. I think he, uh. You know he needs to play more he needs to develop i think he's showing a little bit better vision you know having worked with the starters this season definitely or this week has definitely helped obviously um but there's still going to be a learning curve and i think i said this earlier in the season there's going to be a learning curve uh for haskins but i guess the only way that you can really learn at this point is just by playing nfl games um but one of the big things to me is, I think he looks a little bit tentative. Uh, it, it concerns me. You know, th- there's a couple of plays where it looks like he is just unsure about himself. Like when he's out of the pocket, you know, there's moments when he's either looking to run or looking to throw, but he's not really committing to either. Um, like I saw a few plays where he would run. But then he'd kind of stutter step to where he's kind of thinking, oh, should I still try and throw it? Or should I just go ahead and commit to, to the run? Um, and same situations where he'd kind of throw it, but it's the same sort of hesitation of where should I throw it or should I run? And I think those sort of question marks have to be taken out of his game. So I think I'll say a solid average simply because it's one of those situations where I think having him out there isn't going to positively or negatively impact our wins in the long run, at least not this season. Um, so you may as well just play him and get him his reps. And I, I don't think it'll be any better or worse having him versus having Case Keenum out there. Cause Case Keenum, I think might be good for at least breaking that touchdown drought um, simply because he has experience and he's had, More work with the with the starters. But you know, it's all a part of the growing process. And I think that Dwayne Haskins will get there eventually. But for right now, I'll give him just a solid average. And that's also mostly based on the potential that I've seen um, of him, you know, coming out of college, seeing what he's capable of, seeing he does have athletic ability, seeing he is a talented quarterback. So Obviously, the college game is different than the NFL game. I get that. But I believe that the potential is there. So I have to admit that I am kind of grading on that as well with potential. Um, But, you know, he hasn't looked that great in the NFL so far. And he didn't look that great uh, yesterday. So a little bit of growth, but still has a lot of work to do, I think. Still very raw. I would have to give Dwayne Haskins
1: a C. I'll give him a C. Like a 75 on the assignment. Uh, Or actually, I could drop it down maybe c minus c minus i'll give him a c minus give him like a
0: solid 70 to 72 because on, yeah i had him on the higher c range i had him somewhere up in the 77 78 range i say
1: 70 to 72 73 because uh there were mistakes made by when we just talk about the overall uh offense there were mistakes yeah. made by the offensive line There were mistakes made by the wide receivers. Mm -hmm. Uh, The running game for the most part was fine. And let's be honest, I mean, they only called what? How many? Let me get. They only called throughout the game only 22 passes. So he completed 15, 144, a little less than 10 yards per completion. Uh, But there were some moments in the game where you could set, you can, obviously tell okay he missed the read or he um took his eyes off downfield and 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 he missed the receiver that was open and things like that also you know his mechanics are a little different i'm not gonna say they're bad they're just different he kind of throws the ball like it's a baseball Mm -hmm. like he's uh like he's a shortstop you know, throwing the ball to, to second—that's how yes. it feels. It's it's like he's throwing these like he winds up and then he releases it from his hand like a baseball, and nothing's wrong with that. It's just it might be something that he may need to work on. Uh, but but I would have to say I would give him a a C minus because there were some mistakes that he made, uh, but also there were mistakes obviously on his teammates. Like there were times that the Offensive linemen just really didn't do what they were supposed to do, and I was actually listening to the Team 980 earlier today for a little bit. Rick Doc Walker, who is the sideline reporter for the radio broadcast, he said, yeah, there were too many times when offensive linemen were just walking downfield when Adrian Peterson was busting big gains, and Adrian Peterson still has it.
0: Yeah, I don't sure. care what no one
1: says. He I still agree. has it. Like, this dude can ball, and he can help a team like the Redskins, but he can also help a team that that's probably in championship contention if you were to play with them. So, yeah, but uh, back to the original question. My, my original grade would have to be a C-, and you said more of a C plus, correct? Yeah, closer to a C plus. yeah. All right. Let's uh w- we spent a lot of time on the Nationals, I must say. Uh so we do have one more topic and let's be quick about it. It's about the Washington Wizards. How many games have they played so far this
0: season? 6 games. They have played 6. Yes, they just beat the Pistons tonight yes. to improve to 2 and 5. Two and five. Uh, a nice quality win, blowout win over the Pistons over the very depleted pistons now they were now he said
1: that uh two and five or two and four uh two and oh uh two and four i'm sorry two two and four four. so they did play six games okay um let's just be real quick good bad and ugly darren go ahead for the wizard season uh, so
0: far for the wizard season okay uh so the good uh Bradley Beal is a stud. He got off to kind of a slow start, which honestly was expected because he tends to start a little bit slow in the seasons. But you know, he's been great. You know, in the in the 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 Rockets game, uh, he um, you know he he duelled James Harden all the way down the stretch. What he drop? 46 points in that game to Harden's 59, a s- solid offensive output. Um, Rui Hachimura is showing why we drafted him. He's looking very good. Uh, you know, nobody played well in the game against the Timberwolves on Saturday. Um, you know, he he only had four points in that game. Um only a couple rebounds, just the team all around was not very good, but he is showing why the Reds drafted him and he's showing that he's going to be a very, very special player in this league one day. You know, very humble, very coachable and, but a quality guy who is definitely already early on in the rookie of the year conversation. So Rui Hachimura is going to be very good in this league, I believe, um, especially in this, in this situation. Uh, I think we're seeing a nice little, Wizards core that if they can keep them together can hopefully make them very competitive in the East and hopefully in the NBA in general for years to come, you know, between Bradley Beal and Hachimura, as I mentioned, um, along with guys like, you know, Davis Bertans, who's been huge off the bench for the Wizards uh, and Thomas Bryant, obviously, Um, even Mo Wagner has looked pretty good in spate in, in, in spots, you know, he He's had his moments where I'm not totally convinced, but he he's been pretty good. So as far as the good, it feels like the first year in a long time the Wizards have actually had a quality bench. Um, you know, I I'm not worried about these bench guys coming in and and being able to hold leads because you know if guys like Mo Wagner get hot, you know if if uh, DeVise Bertans keeps shooting the ball the way he's shooting it, um, even Isaiah Thomas, who did get the start tonight um, against the Pistons. But, you know, if they decide to switch it, if he becomes, you know, John Wall's backup whenever he gets back, or if, you know, if, if Ishmith is reinserted in the starting lineup, who knows, we have a unit that can actually score and hold leads. Uh, so that's the good. The bad? um, Still, the defense, still, the Wizards don't play any defense. So, this is a great run and gun team. They're going to score a lot of points most nights in this league, but other teams are going to score a lot of points as well because they just don't play any defense. You look back at the season, at the home opener um, against the Rockets, the Wizards lost 159 to 158 to the Houston Rockets. Very, very high scoring. It was like, it was, uh, if I recall, it's the third highest scoring game regulation game in nba history mm-hmm. um so te- the teams combined for 317 points that's third highest regulation that didn't go into overtime so that's that's really impressive um but at the same time you know there's going to be a lot of these high scoring games if no if neither the teams play defense you know they lost the spurs same way 125 124 on a demar DeRozan layup at the end of the game. Um in san antonio they had a chance to win that one but uh you know it's going to be a lot of these close games teams are going to be able to shoot themselves right back in the game when the wizards have these huge leads that the opposing teams are just going to close them so defense is always going to be an issue with this team that's going to be my number one thing to the point that i'm not going to spend all season talking about how the wizards need to improve their defense because i just i've resigned myself to the fact that their defense is just going to be terrible and they're not gonna play it. They're good for a couple of steals and a couple of uh, a couple of you know deflections and shot blocks, whatnot. But I don't necessarily equate that to good defense. Um, they're great plays that aren't necessarily just going to impact the game. And the ugly, I think the ugliest thing is just the coaching. I think Scott Brooks. I love him as a player as a players coach guy. I know everybody loves him. He's a great guy. Just love hearing his interviews, whatnot. He is not the right coach for this team. I think I've seen enough of him. You know, a lot of these wizard's mistakes, a lot of what's happening just comes down to Scott Brooks' coaching. So I've seen enough. I think it's time to start looking. I don't think you fire him mid season. I think he'll do just enough to sort of keep his job throughout the season. But I think at the end of the season you gotta look into replacing him and getting someone else in who can actually coach this team to victory and have them, you know, win some games. Because I think this Wizards game this Wizards team should be better than their two and four record indicates. Um you know they're a fun, exciting team to watch, but I think it's the coaching that's largely holding them back. So yeah, that's definitely the ugly as far as this Wizards season goes.
1: So I I'll start off with the good in uh Rui Hachimura is really good. Yes. Like he is a candidate, for, or he should be a candidate for Rookie of the Year. I know he's not, he doesn't have the buzz because he's not, he didn't come in with the big name recognition. Yeah. Yes, he came out of Gonzaga and he still was a lottery pick, but he didn't come with the big name rec- recognition. But he is playing like a Rookie of the Year candidate. He's playing well. Uh, Bradley Beal is still playing as an all NBA caliber player. So that is my good, um, um, good, um, uh, when it comes to the bad, uh, just, uh, I, I, I guess the bad is still Scott Brooks. I mean, and, and I'm, and I'm not going to say he's the ugly because I still think there are worse coaches in the NBA, but I would have to yeah. say bad still for him. And the ugly is that defense. That defense cannot really stop anyone of note. Yes, the Wizards on Monday played against the Detroit Pistons, but they were also short. And they won against the Pistons, but they're also short on uh, some some talent. Short Blake Griffin, obviously, but Derrick Rose and Reggie Jackson, like you mentioned earlier. So, yeah, I mean, I'm glad they got the win. I'm glad they got the record of two and four right now. But, uh, yeah, and that record is still, I guess that record is more bad. I would have to put that in the bad categories. Two and four. It's, yeah. it's, uns- it's uh, below satisfactory. So, yeah, so I would have to say that's. That is my bad, and the ugly is still the defense. We mentioned before we even started recording tonight, in our lifetime, we're around the same age. In our lifetime, it didn't matter who the head coach was. It didn't matter who the players. It didn't even matter what the team name was. You could go back to when they were bullets. Defense is just not good. We either have large leads and then we blow them, and we squeak out a victory, or we wet the bed and get a loss, or we just get flat out blown out most of the time. <laughs> so, you know, there's the rare, you know, blowout victory for us, but most of the time it's a blown lead that and yep. most of our losses are blown leads. So yeah, I think I think that's the big issue when it comes to the Washington Wizards. All right, y'all. That will do it for us here at DMV Dispute. We surely miss Gerard. He will be on a future episode. So we just want to let you all know that that Gerard will be back and that we really do miss him. Hopefully you all enjoyed the show. Almost got tongue-tied right there. (laughs) Subscribe to us wherever podcasts are available. Uh, leave a review on the podcast platform of your choice so we could grow in the charts and reach more people. You can find us on Twitter at DMV Dispute. You can find me on Twitter at ChaseSquared021. You can find Gerard on Twitter at Roddy
0: KG. Where can they find you on Twitter, Darren? You can find me at D Bird Hoops. That's D B I R D Hoops. Just follow me. It's going to be all Wizards talk all the time all right don't forget to check out
1: dmvsportsnetwork.com follow them on instagram and twitter and uh i'm sorry instagram and twitter yes at dmv underscore sn and if you want to join the team contact them via twitter the website or shoot them an email at Network at outlook.com thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next week peace peace out